0: Yeah, uh, I hadn't planned on being emotional, but um, having been there in Oregon and being actually helping the people who were affected by the recent fires and watching it in the news, being distant from it, is a whole different thing. Um, but this morning... The team will be sharing with you some more, and uh, before we do that, um, I want to share with you briefly on missions, and I'll make this real quick uh, in the essence of time. So, we get the word missions, Uh, this morning you might be thinking, well, what exactly is the purpose of missions? And we get the word missions from the Latin word that is mittere. And this means to send or send. This corresponds with the Greek word apostolos, which means one who is sent off or to send. And this is where we get the word apostle, apostle, which you're probably familiar with in the Bible. Uh, the word apostle occurs over a hundred times in the New Testament, but in the Gospels itself. It's just shy of a hundred times, nine to seven to be exact. Now, if you spent any time here with us at LifeSpring, we've been in the book of Luke. And so this morning, I want to take us back to a verse we covered what seemed like ages ago from Luke 4, chapter 4, verses 18, and it reads like this. And this is Jesus speaking. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. And this verse here, if you will, is the first thing Jesus notes about his mission. So being missional, being on mission, or engaging in mission work suggests intentionality of someone being sent from one place to another, sent for some specific task. And so this morning, would you give a warm spring welcome to the team comprised of persons from ILC Evergreen, Foursquare Church, and Lifespring Foursquare Church. Team, could you make your way up front at this time? Alright, so, uh, let's do some introductions here, and we have one mic. I'll, uh, we'll start right here on my left, cause... Good
1: morning, I'm Ray Mayer. I attend here at LifeSpring Foursquare. Uh,
2: my name is Monica Wilmot. I'm from, First, uh, this church, LifeSpring.
3: Good morning, my name is Willie Davidson, and I attend the Integrity Life Church. Good morning, Earl Taylor, Integrity
4: Life Church. Um, I'm Josiah Bozich, um, and I go to both Evergreen Foursquare Church and Lifespring Foursquare Church.
5: My name is Jen Ning Bozich, and I go to Foursquare La- Lifespring and Evergreen Church. <laughs> All right, so
0: this morning, we'll be doing this more of a panel discussion and I'll start first let's start with Josiah. Josiah, could you tell us a little bit about the trip uh that we took a couple of weeks ago uh and maybe share with us a story uh of something that stood out to you? Would you do that just now?
4: Yeah. Um so for those of you who don't know, basically what we were doing was um, we were going down and we were partnering with an organization called Forward Edge, um, which is already in the uh, Medford, Oregon area, and is dedicated to helping out with the fire damage that has happened there. The fires, I believe, were early September, right? Yeah, early September, um, and they're there right now. Um, and what you're seeing pictures of right now is um, Forward Edge and ourselves partnering with another organization that's in uh, Medford, Oregon, uh, which is called Helping Hands. And Helping Hands' mission is, um, at the moment, has been sifting, um, which has been basically going to people, uh, fire victims' homes, and sifting through materials to just see what we can find. It's not a whole lot about like trying to find like things that people can continue to use. It's a lot about finding memories. And what Helping Hands uh, talks about is, getting closure. So that people don't have to wonder, oh, if I had gone back, could I have found this thing? Or could have I could I have gone back and found this thing? It's it's closure. Um, and it's also a chance to talk with and listen to these fire victims. Um, so that's what we were doing. Uh, that's what we were teaming up with. And typically um we would go and they would tell us like is The fire victim would tell us uh, this is something I think we might be able to find. Um, we might be able to find this jewelry here. We might be able to find something, something here. Um, and then we would specifically search those spots and try and find stuff. Um, but actually, I think the person I want to talk about um, was the person we weren't able to do that for. Because um, I think it shows a lot of what the heart of this is, um, So this is actually the last person we were to sift for. Um, It was Thursday afternoon. We had already done a property that we had sifted through. I was tired, but I was also ready. Like, okay, let's do this next property. We had heard it was a storage unit. Um, And we're like, okay, storage unit, that's a much smaller footprint. So we're not gonna have to do as much. So we'll probably be there for like an hour or two. Um, And we got there with the fire victim and the gates to the storage unit were locked. Um, and just due to some miscommunication, it seemed that they were going to stay locked. Um, and there wasn't any way for this fire victim to get into the storage unit to get her stuff out. Um, which is hard. And it's like, okay, we've come here to sift for your stuff and now we can't do that, so what What's the point of us being here? I guess this was all a big flop. Um, But in the time span of our helping hands leader, like making the phone calls to figure out could we get into the storage unit, um, we just talked with this fire victim, this woman. um, And she was just remarkable. Um, She was a super strong person. she was just talking like she comes from a, a line of strong women uh, who people just know not to mess with. Uh, very passionate, very very cool. Um, but I could tell that there was a certain amount of hurting that she was processing through, like, under that strength. Well, and in that strength, I guess. Um, I think it was very telling to me. Uh, I was talking to her about the event of the fire, um, and she was just telling me like, like the scariness of that situation, and then she, but she was just like, I wasn't really scared though, just was calm, getting my things together, just getting in the car. I was like, was there a point where you like broke and that like, um, what's the word for it? Um, no, like 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 adrenaline. Is there any point where like the adrenaline went away and you like broke after? The fire, Um, and she was like, "Not until like two days ago," which (laughs) that's two months after the fire happened. She was like, "I was reading the newspaper and I cried a little bit. That was the first time I kind of kind of broke." But it was interesting, just talking to this woman, and more letting her talk about what happened. I don't think we said anything very profound to her. And I don't know if she said anything that was any grand revelation of what had occurred. She just talked. She talked about how she felt. She talked about how she felt in the moment, and she talked about how she was feeling right now. But it was impactful. And I think she needed a listening ear. A ear who would hear her say, oh yeah, I'm, not, I'm doing fine. It was just stuff that I lost. But then would just ask, but how are you doing? Like that's willing to have that difficult conversation and listen to this person's pain. And as I said, there was nothing profound in it. It was just us listening to her talk. And then we prayed, and at the end of our time with her, she told us, in tears, I don't think I was supposed to find anything today, I think I was supposed to meet you. And it's just, it's the power of a listening ear, of not even not even the thing that says, oh, I hear you, let me make it all better for you, but just the, that sounds hard. I can't imagine that, let me hear your story, I care, I care to listen to your story. And that made all the difference for this woman.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Josiah, Um, yeah, I remember Luciana, she Mm -hmm. was very strong in the things she said. Uh, Something I want to share with you guys is our team dynamics so how this trip came about is actually pastor dan uh we were to be in belize the first week of november but that got canceled because of COVID. i feel like we say that a lot these days because of COVID, this has not happened or this isn't happening and so he forwarded it to me and he said just thinking about you maybe it's something that we could do and i reached out to uh sherry who's the person we worked alongside with from forward edge And uh, over a span of about three to four weeks, we came up with this team. And uh, prior to, because things were coming so closely uh, to a head there at the end, um, we got together just before we left. And so we made some introductions and did that type of thing, talked more about ourselves on the way down. But we didn't see a lot of who we really are as individuals uh we didn't discover that until we were actually there in uh oregon and one of the stories i want to talk about here is danica and uh danica we came to danica one afternoon i believe it was on our uh, first day of sifting and uh jenning which is over here all the way on the end uh, was able to speak to Danica in Chinese. Um, she is. She moved here from China, has no family here in the U.S. at the moment. Her only family that she had here in the U.S. died about a year ago, which was her uncle, and she worked from home, had invested in this home, and uh, was really distraught because she didn't know what she was going to do and how she would move forward. And so, Jenning, would you share with us a little bit about that experience and what it was like just working alongside Danica that day?
5: Yeah. Um, I remember, I guess I'll just tell this sort of chronologically because that's like a story. We arrived there in our little bus, and we saw her in her little like red coat, just really simply dressed, and she had a little container of two boxes, two styrofoam boxes, which she later, when we came out of the bus, she said, oh, this is some food for you guys. because." And then she looked at us and said, oh, I didn't know there would be so many of you. If I'd known, I'd got more food. (laughs) And as she told us her story, this woman barely has enough money to get any food for herself. <laughs> and I think, Earl, it was you who was saying, like she, she doesn't even have money to get food for herself, and she got food for us. Like, Really, I think one of the things that really struck me that day was how we weren't going in, we couldn't go in pretending that we could save her pretending that we could make everything better because we can't. We can only do what the Lord has asked us to do. And so it is just enough. And that's the phrase we kept on saying throughout the trip. But so we went on sifting. She asked us, um, well, we asked her, what sort of things do you want us to find? And she said, "I I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know what you can even find, but I had some jewelry and as I looked at her, I know when I first saw her, I thought, Wow, she she reminds me of my mum <laughs> and my mum's like small little Chinese woman <laughs> who's has the same sort of like processing way of processing and she says, I'm looking for some jewelry and in my mind I'm like, Oh, obviously it's going to be gold jewelry because back home my mum and my grandmother would give their grandchildren or their children gold jewelry as a some of like, sort of like savings, investment like that's the sort of thing that won't depreciate and it will only appreciate so it's like preparing something for your kids and that may be the only thing that you can give them and in my mind I thought like oh no wonder why she wants to find this I would want to find it too like if I were in her shoes I mean I was telling the rest of the team, I wear this gold necklace that my grandmother gave me. And it means so much because it's more than just jewelry. It's more than just a cross necklace. It's heritage. It's the way that my family has shown me. I am going to give you this to prepare you for your future. Um, so we went on searching and Sherry and I, or rather Sherry, felt it the Holy Spirit speak to her heart and say, right there. And she didn't know what she was going to find or anything, but she went in and she and I ended up just kind of going to the ground and kind of sifting through using just our hands. And we'd find little beads here and there. And in the end, we did manage to find some gold jewelry. And like, I think the diamond was still there or it wasn't, but we washed it off and we could give it to her. But in the end, though, it was like, you know, especially since it was our first day, too, we soon realized, no matter what we found, it wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be enough to recuperate for all the loss. I mean, she told us she saved up for this house and she's still paying the debts off this house that she no longer has. (laughs) and she told us of the neighbor who had filed insurance and for five years, and she's c- tried to file it now, and they can't find her insurance file because the person she's filed it with never actually filed it. And it's just story after story of just, I mean, on top of destruction, injustice. And what can we say? I mean, what can we find that, makes up for that. And we soon came to the realisation it's okay that we can't it's okay that we can't build it up and make it all better. That's not our job. And I mean we all know we're familiar with the Psalms. There's Psalms of praise, there's Psalms of Thanksgiving, but there's so many Psalms of lament. And I think something after that day we just kind of pondered on was, yeah, how are we going to give space for the Lord to work in us and massage in us those moments of lament that help you turn your eyes to what's more permanent, to what's lasting to the kingdom and how we are planting seeds for the kingdom. We are not trying to sift through and find things of the earth, even if they represent something. Which brings me to, I guess, the ending part of our time with her. So we found what we could find, and we found little bits and bobs of, like, little dentist kits that she uses for her dog to make sure that the dog's okay. Um, Really, like, small, random things that you wouldn't expect to find. And then, by the end... We sort of like gathered round and we prayed for her. And something that Helping Hands International does with all their sift, their fire victims is, and they don't tell them this before, but they give them um, a Bible. And whoever's facilitating always says, we know that the Bible is always one of the first things to go in a fire because it's paper. Um, So here's a new one. And then here's a $500 Visa card. And it's just a little something. And, you know, as we look at the other victims, there are varied responses. Some of them are always like, oh, you shouldn't have, you know. But Danica, and I completely understood where she came from, but she said, I can't receive this. And I can't, and she bursts into tears. I can't receive, I cannot take this from you. I cannot like, I have nothing to repay you. I have nothing. I can't give you back anything. And really, on one hand, we can just say, like, no, like, receive receive this as a gift, and receive this because we want to love you. And she is a woman of faith, and she goes to church and everything, and no matter what we told her, you know, the Lord's with you and all that, all that. I could tell her spirit was still down I could tell her spirit was still downcast but we know the lord is near to those who are brokenhearted and in that moment i could see there was so much that was not just not just a pride thing there was like the sense of pride which i understand it's like you know you've lost everything and now this just makes you feel even lower but it's a sense in which she feels like i can't I don't know what I am anymore. <laughs> but we prayed for her and framing it under the understanding that, you know, we're giving this to you so that in the future you're able to give it to someone else. And slowly, you know, I don't know how the Lord works in this way, these ways and I don't know how he's continuing to work because I know he is, but she received it. And we can't say that we neatly tied up her story in a bow because she was still sad. She still lost her home. But we know we left the Lord's presence with her. We know that we came and we didn't expect. It wasn't anything for us. It was for the Lord. And when we surrender it to him, that's up to him. (laughs) He'll do the rest. And we still pray for her. We still keep her in our mind, our thoughts. And we trust and hope that the Lord is planting those seeds that grow into kingdom hope, not earthly hope. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Jenning. Uh, one of the things about that story is that uh, Danica, she, we spent probably... 20 to 25 minutes with her of her saying no I do not want this from you like I cannot take it from you and uh, what was amazing about that time is that as Jenning, along with uh, Sherry um, from Forward Edge stepped in to start ministering to her one by one the members of the team who were standing off started praying like without even they just started praying for her in that moment, believing in prayer that the Lord would continue to minister to her. And eventually she did receive it as a gift. And so we saw the Lord work in many uh, wonderful ways like that. And one of the next things I want to highlight here is a church called Living Water Church. And uh, a backstory to Living Water Church. So, um, they're actually a four square church. We did not notice. And they bought a warehouse to turn into their church facility. And again, with COVID, they haven't been able to walk through that uh, process the way they'd like to. And so when the community was affected by the fires, they decided, they said, you know what? We'll turn our sanctuary to be into a relief center. And so they, they have in a sense put this idea of building a physical space for their congregation, but they have been ministering and being the hands of feet to Jesus and being the church in their community and serving people in so many ways, uh, that I cannot even, uh, put into words here in this moment. But, uh, one of the things about when we Came to this organization is that uh, Willie is we did not notice, but Willie is a certified fork lift operator. <laughs> And uh, this team had, has been pushing really hard since the fires came in. They've been receiving a lot of donations, and they've had very long days. Sometimes they start at, at 9 in the morning, and they don't wrap up until 8, 9 p.m. at night. And that is because they have people coming through just getting resources, and it's all free to people affected by the fires. And so, Willie, would you... Uh, share a little bit about you, your story, and uh, what spoke to you on this mission trip. Yes. Thank you,
3: Jesse. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> um, well, this is my this was my first missions trip, and I was so excited um, just to join with LifeSpring and um, Pastor Dan and Jesse. Um, I kind of signed up before when you're talking about going to Belize and of course that fell through the cracks but i was still hopeful something would happen because i said before 2020 started I, I wanted to do something like this and and god heard my prayer and answered that prayer and thank god for that so um when this came about i said yes, "Yeah, sign me up whatever um, i want to go <laughs> so um just to kind of give you a story before i get into that story um, as i was preparing to come here on sunday uh, for all us to meet I was getting my bags together and everything together and I, was, um, I had my duffel bag on my shoulder and I was coming down the stairs and my duffel bag shifted and my foot slipped and I fell all the way down the stairs <laughs> and all of a sudden I felt like I, I couldn't move. I said, Devil, you are a liar. <laughs> I am going on this trip. <laughs> Thank God my wife was at the bottom of the stairs, and my daughter, who I kissed goodbye because she was still sleeping, somehow ended up on the steps with me at that instance and was praying for me, too. So thank God for the prayers of the righteous that avail as much. So amen. Um, just to get into that story about uh, going to the warehouse, living water, amazing ministry. Um, we got there. This was our third day of going on a mission trip. We, had, we did two days of shifting, sifting and, um, day three, we were going to help this church out with their supplies and doing everything for the community, which was awesome because, uh, when we got there, we met, um, at the time, we didn't know it was the pastor of the church. He was just saying, Hey, my, uh, Ryan was his name. He said, Hey, this is what I got going on. Um, if you guys ever been to a warehouse where they supply, um, the community with everything, it's kind of like set up. Like World Vision, if you have ever been there to their warehouse, they got um, you know boards of water. They have you know clothing. They had racks. They had set up all these racking system in their warehouse just to serve the community, which was great. Um, And just a quick amount of time because it wasn't. I think it was in less than a month that they had did all this, saying that they're going to serve the community. And um, so when we first went in there, we were talking with him. And they had a couple of people there and getting things set up for us. And we're going to be working with the different ones. And And it wasn't until Sherry told us that he was the pastor. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, shouldn't it be somebody else doing this work? Because, I mean, it was pretty, pretty, um, uh, a lot of things going on. And I'm saying um, for the pastor to be in that position, I thought, I thought it was strange because it seemed like there'd be other people helping him. But it was him and maybe about three other people that were assisting him at this time. And I was like, man, he's got it going on, and he needs some help. So when we got there, we had kind of um, everyone kind of set up with their job assignment. There was people that were sorting through clothes that need to be um, packaged up for the families that were coming in to, you know, receive the packages. And also um, they had a little area that people can come in and shop. They had a nice system going on. It was It was very um, accommodating for the, you know, the people that are coming in. Um, They had a room that was kind of a quiet room that people can come in and get signed up. um, So, that you know, kind of make them feel like, hey, this is what you need. You don't have to be ashamed. You can just come in. You can get what you need and and leave. So that was very um, um, powerful for me to see kind of that, 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 that place where you can feel safe and comfortable. So, as we got in and getting set up um, the four of us four guys um, and Jesse, we asked one of the guys I mean minus uh, just signed because he was doing something else. Uh, sorry jesse he is he is a guy. <laughs> um, we asked the the guy um Eric, who was helping he said um hey, uh, what do you want us to do? And he said, uh, well, I'm going to have you guys um, just move a couple things. And, and said we asked him, so are we going to be doing any lifting? He goes, no, nah, no, nah, you guys will be all right. So, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did more lifting than anything. So, um, But thank God for uh, we just got in, all, all of us, and just put our hands to the plow and start getting stuff staged from it because they were going to have quite a few families coming in that um, particular day. So when we got in there, um, I was I was excited to see there was a couple of forklifts in the uh, in the building because in my job I, I work for a, a retail grocery um, Albertson Safeway, and part of my job I have to be certified forklift to you know do part of my job as a supervisor, project manager. So I got excited. I said, Yeah, man, maybe I get to play with this thing. So um, so we get in there and the first thing we do is. We're um, getting supplies ready to shift to another city that was uh, was burned out. I think it was Phoenix or Talent. So we're loading up their box truck to take these supplies to another location. They were giving out these supplies to you know the people in that town. So yeah, all of a sudden we were doing a whole bunch of lifting. We're you know uh, we had to offload a whole pallet of water, and but it, it was part of the job. I mean we that's what we're there for doing. Um, Actually, I think I lost some weight during that time. You did too? <laughs> we were working, we were sweating, it was hot. Thank God for the weather, it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, it was um, just being available to help them with their staging, it was great. Uh, we got in there and we, they had this portion of the warehouse where they had racks and they were getting, constantly getting supplies in um, just to service the people and, um, the guy, Eric, at the, at the one moment, he said, well, here's what I'm going to do for you guys. I'm just going to tell you what to do, and I'm going to let you guys just take care of it. Because he felt comfortable after you know after about an hour, uh, us just kind of doing the work around there, saying these guys got it under control. So we got in there, and we started moving their boards around because they just had stuff kind of random all over the place. And uh, we relocated some shoes, and we did that, kind of cleaned up the place a little bit. And I was able to get on the forklift finally. Yes. So these guys are like, I think these guys are a little scared because they're like, I don't know what Willie's gonna do, but uh, you know, (laughs) you know, it it was high stuff up on the rack. But uh, like I say, I'm a trained professional. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) So, so I was jumped on the forklift and I was running around there. And and these, I think uh, Sherry was like, man, look at that guy, you know. A facilitator, and, um, but it was fun. It was fun, and these guys, you know, we were kind of leading each other. We were giving each other instruction. We worked very well together, which, you know, I had to count that for Jesse. Um, he really set the stage for us when we first left the church here on Sunday when we all got together and kind of shared our stories, and um, that really set the foundation for the whole trip, and it just carried on throughout our days, so um, thank God for his leadership, He's awesome. <laughs> his hair is a little crazy, but I still love him, though. <laughs> you should have seen him in one of his pictures when we were sifting. His hair got a little dusty, so he looked like a dust bunny. <laughs> but hey, it was all good. But uh, thank God, after we, you know, we kind of rearranged the warehouse and got it all staged, and those guys kind of stood back and you know, Pastor Ryan and Eric, and they're like, man, you guys are amazing, but, you know, we were just doing what God just um, put us on our hands to do, and after that, we all gathered around. It was the theme of the missions trip. Wherever we went, we would pray for the different situations of the different people, and that's what we did when we got around. After we did all that um, service, we got around Pastor Ryan and prayed for him, and you can see the change in his body you know how he received that prayer he was like man thank you for you guys being here for helping us facilitate this particular day because at first he kind of seemed kind of distraught a little bit i mean he was kind of um a little nervous I, i don't know worried about all the things he had going on but you know after that we came in we did what we had to do uh we prayed and he was like so thankful and and we were thankful that we were able to help and assist in all that, and um, I was thankful I was able to, you know, do my forklift thing, so. But um, it was it was just a great day. Uh, we end up, I think we end up going out to dinner that night, and just, just had a beautiful time. Um, just uh, these folks up here that we were working with, I was working with, uh, felt like family, you know, felt like we just knew each other for forever. And it was was just a great time. Uh, Thank God. It was my first mission trip. I think the foundation has been set um, for future things that I'm planning on doing for the Lord in in missions trips. So uh, thank God for you guys' prayer. You guys sent us out with that prayer. Awesome. And uh, I just thank God for, you know, um, this is what he did for us in that missions trip.
0: Amen. Thank you very much, Will. I appreciate you sharing. And uh, so we have a few more people here to share and we'll move along here real quickly because we are operating by time. So we got to get out of here real soon. Um, While we were at Living Waters, uh, Monica actually speaks Spanish. And one of the things that in this area, a lot of people who are coming through are Spanish speakers. And uh, they don't necessarily have someone to communicate with. And so there is this barrier, in a sense, in them relaying their grief, talking about the story, what they've been walking through. And Monica was able to really just minister to a whole bunch of people. So, Monica, uh, thank you for joining us on the trip, but would you take some time just yes. share about something that stood out to you and maybe speak about uh, that experience at Living yes. Water, if you like.
2: Well, um, like I said, I'm Monica Wilmont. Um one of the things that, there's, there were so many stories, and like Willie said, it was such a God-given moment. Um, there was so much strong leadership, and God was just, the presence of the Holy Spirit was always there. And um, the day that we went to the food and clothing bank, um, you know, it was there was a lot going on, and uh, in the morning we, uh, like Willie said, we organized, we packaged things, but in the afternoon from one to five, uh, there were families that were supposed to be coming to shop, and that's when, um, I said, well, I'll help them, and Josiah and Janine also, we were like their shoppers, personal shoppers, helping them. But, um, a lot of the, in Talent, Ashland, in Phoenix, there's a huge population of Spanish-speaker um, families that were affected. And it was very heartbreaking. And um, I was really overtaken because of how warm and how willing they were to share the stories with me. But one in particular, it was really neat: um, there was this man that came, his name was Jose and he came in and very sure of himself and um, you know, I started talking to him in Spanish and we kind of introduced each other and I said, what do you need? And he goes, uh, he was very specific on what he needed. You know, he wasn't gonna take whatever he didn't need but one of the things that he told me is like, he says, my son asked me for chopsticks. He goes, you guys have chapstick. And so we put a couple of them on the bag and then we kind of walked around, and I asked him, I said, would you share your story with me and what happened with the fire? And he shared with me that he was at work. He worked in the vineyard, and he works with this very um, rich man that has retired, and he makes wine for his friends. And he said, I'm very thankful for him because I have my job, and my wife works at a hotel. And her boss has given us a room to live. And I'm, v- we're very thankful. And he says, my children are safe. And the day of the fire, what had happened is that he was trying to communicate with his children at home and he couldn't. And what he had found out, he, he had left work that day and he's trying to find his children on the streets and his kids are like running. They, they don't have a car and, They're teenagers. And so it took him hours for him to find his children. He found them at uh, at an intersection. And he was really just, just sharing his story with me. And there was a point that he said, I need a pair of pants for myself. And I said, okay, let's go and see these racks. Because there were like racks lined up with clothes, different um, styles, different sizes, you know, men, women, children. And so the rack didn't have a pair of pants, and I said, Lord, would you not disappoint him? He needs a pair of pants. And so in the back, there were boxes also lined up with um, sizes, and, you know, one said pants, and I don't really get men's pants sizes, so I was like, okay, to me it's like, I said, which size did you say it again, you know? And so I started taking all the clothes out of there. And then I found two pairs of pants for him. And he goes, yeah, I found. He goes, we found two. And he goes, those are perfect. And he was just so thankful. And the thankfulness of the people that we encounter was absolutely amazing. But every time I helped a person shop, I would say, can I walk to, with you to your car? And they said, yes. And so that's when I would minister to them. I would just say, can I pray for you? And they were just like, yes. And I said, is it okay if I put my hand, you know, on on your back? And, I you know, immediately I would feel the Holy Spirit. And it's very hard for me, actually, because I'm native Spanish speaker, but it's hard for me to pray in Spanish. I don't know what it is. But it's just I felt the Holy Spirit just leading me to pray. But with him, it was really interesting because... I could see how he came very, he told me that they were, they were having a lot of nightmares. They, like PTSD, like they, he, they, his family wakes up in like night sweats. And so we prayed about that. And when I put his things on the car, I said, um, he told me, he said, you know, he said, Oh, because I said, you know, I'm from Washington. Our team is from Washington. I may not see you again. He said, you never know. He said, the world's small. We will see each other again. And with his tears, and that's when I saw him breaking, he goes, with tears in his eyes, he says, thank you. And I said, no, thank God for what he's doing in here. And the Holy Spirit was absolutely amazing. Not only did he ministered to the people there, and I wish we would have had more time, I mean, to, to help, but he also ministered to each other, ministered to, I, I, I had such a confidence of helping hand, with helping hands and Forward Edge and with Jesse leading us in such a wonderful, amazing time. It was, I mean, it's, it's hard to even describe it, but people were so touched, ministered, pray for, and like Janine said, the seeds were planted. And so we pray that they will be watered and they will flourish and God would do an amazing thing in their lives because I always think of it's not the person, but it's the generation after and after. And that really just touches my heart. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Monica. And uh, we have a couple more here. Uh, If we can pass it over to Earl, and uh, we'll see if we can make this quick, Earl.
6: (laughs) I'll I'll try, you know me.
0: But uh, Earl is uh, from ILC, and uh, on the last day of our sift, we were able to recover uh, medals of a war hero for a woman. Um, She had been her family had given her over 150 generational memories to take care of, and she lost all of it. And uh, it was the last day, and it was the morning shift of our sift. And uh, Earl, if you may, tell us a little bit about that story and uh, what that looked like.
6: Sure. That that was an awesome day. It was really hot, and all the days were hot. um, And we had come to... Just our last sift, right, pretty much uh, sifting day. We had another sift that evening that uh, Josiah talked about that didn't really happen. But um, quite honestly, the gal that we tried to sift for, these guys were roommates. And so it was a real interesting uh, relationship. But Kathy Dunn was her name. um, And she, again, was another high-spirited woman that just was so filled with life and though you could see her whole place was just decimated, incinerated, um, she still showed hope. And it's just an amazing thing to see people have that much strength after so much loss. And only God can give you that. Um. Anyway, so working with Ray and Willie and Jesse was our sifter. Um, that's how he gets all the dust in his hair, because he's working over all this dust and things. And... Um. We had this metal door that, you know, every every one of our leaders would mark out with spray paint the areas specifically where we're supposed to sift. And so there was this one metal door that just made it through the fire. It was all bent up and kind of rusted and it had uh, we were sifting a two story apartment building. And so there was ceiling drywall dust that had burned and settled on top of this metal door. And uh, so we tried to lift the door, me and Ray, and I think Willie was there. As we tried to lift it. It was too, too heavy. So Ray spent some time clearing it. I, I spent a little time trying to clear the drywall do- dust off of it. And Ray was real adamant about this. Hats off to Ray because he was like, you know, there's something under this door. And that, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It kind of leads you to a path, right? You just don't question it. You just obey. And so, Ray, we thank you for your obedience there. And We cleaned this door off. We were able to lift it up and throw it out of the way. And we were right on Kathy Dunn's apartment level. She lived on the bottom floor of this two-story apartment. And we were right on the foundation. Boom. And I don't know why I did that. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, I'm so animated. And then maybe it was three inches of ashes, But what was interesting about this ashes, and me and Ray and Willie, we we looked at it and said, it smelled like it was freshly burnt, like it was really protected by this metal door. And so um, we started shoveling there and immediately putting the shovels of ashes into Jesse's sifter. Um, Jesse will tell the story, I guess. Uh, You found a metal. Then another metal, then another metal. and what's interesting about it is everything looks like it's burnt. It's really hard to to see these things, and that's seeing them after they're cleaned off. But when you look at them initially, they don't—they just look like pieces of scrap. But but Jesse was on it, and he really took the time, and he told me I was going to throw him another scoop. He said, "Oh wait wait wait, I got more to sift here," and so. And so I, I pause, and I'm standing there holding the shovel. And, and, and so he's sifting through, and he's finding these wonderful medals. And I tell you, it just gives you a new energy. It gives you just, you're so inspired and so encouraged. You just want to do, you want to sift her whole property after that. Because you, you're finding so many incredible memories. You guys, these are World War II medals, We found her grandfather's dog tag. It had his Catholicism marks on it and his name and his ID as he was a a serviceman in the U.S. Air Force. Um, Just incredible, incredible findings. And so um, Jesse had the honor of taking it over to her and and showing it to her. And and Ray and Willie and I, we just kept on going. We just we didn't stop. And... uh, she was elated. We could hear her screaming and yelling and jumping and clicking her heels and all these fun things. And she was just really excited when when she saw those. And gosh, it was just great to be part of that. That's the short version.
0: Yeah. Did Thank I do good? you very much. Yes, Earl. Okay. And uh, last but not least, I have Ray right here beside me. Um. And Ray, if you would just take a few minutes, a couple of minutes, just to share, uh.
1: Okay. About yeah, I got trip. Yeah. There's plenty. Um, so when we first showed up, we uh, said we're going to sift. Uh, you saw the thing. There was nothing there. But we, we watched a video at Helping Hands to show us what we were actually going to be doing. And they showed a video of a family returning to their home from the Paradise Fire, which was in California, um, which was last year. And they showed a short video about... Oh, it was probably five minutes and them rumbling through. And then when they were done, the father and his his uh, elder teenage son um, said, what am I going to I'm going to rebuild? I got to look. And they showed it was just devastation everywhere around Um, to rebuild. He had to make that choice. It's a couple year process. But in the process, you have to live with what was left, the destruction around you. And he was like questioning it. So then we go to our first, our first sift, which was separate from every... It was up in the hills, a place called, I think, Butte Lake or something like that. Um, but going around, it was driving out to the mountains. It's great. And then you turn a corner and you start seeing the, the ravages of a forest fire. And the farther we got in, trees had exploded. I mean, it was devastating. And we met the first couple... Uh, drove up this dirt road up to the top of the hill where their farm was, little farm, on the way there, not a single house was standing. There was nothing left. The only thing there was, uh, as Josiah uh, mentioned, trailers. Oh, you know, they're they're camping or something. No, their house had been destroyed, and that was what they now had to live in, was just a travel trailer to try to rebuild where they were going. Anyway, we turned the corner to get to the last place, and there's a house standing on top. Of the hill. Untouched by the fire. And their garage, which is what we were sifting, was destroyed except for the four foot wall that the foundation was built on. And just the story of them telling how they survived. Of They got to the point, the fire was so fierce that the firefighters were basically getting people out and letting, letting the fire do what it did. Because the people were more important. And the fact that there was so much destruction in that whole area and only five people died is unbelievable because the, there were 3,000 homes or structures burnt to the ground. Nothing left. Incinerated. I mean, uh, you can't describe it on what we're seeing uh, from these videos because it was devastating. Anyway, we get to the, the, the story of this couple and a very spiritual couple, I don't know if they were Christians, I highly doubt it. We get off our bus, there's a couple of little goats uh, running around in the yard greeting us. Well, they had bought the property to kind of live off the land and raise animals and farms. And one of the first things she said to us, my neighbors lost everything and we still have everything. we got to serve our neighbors. So their heart, even though they would lost uh, uh, seven outbuildings, their house was untouched. Everything around. It. They had a big dead tree kind of living right in front of their house that they wanted to get rid of. But it was probably what protected their house. All the senders kind of went to that. And they said uh, the house didn't even smell like smoke. And as I've been thinking this week about their story is I mean, the fires were hot, ravishing. I thought of Nebuchadnezzar throwing the three... Uh, Jewish children into the fire and then when he came come out it's like weren't there four of you and you don't even smell like smoke and their things weren't singed that was their house in the ravish of this area and uh, they really had a heart to serve their neighbors um, so that was just something um, and then the other thing was the first day we had two women who were local that helped us sift and the second day we had uh, a gentleman all from the area all um, willing to put aside and come help their neighbors. Uh, one of the gals that helped us lived, she was out of town when the fire hit. She was on vacation, but her trailer park was like a quarter of a mile from the, where Danica lived, um, and her, her uh, park was just devastated. And the gal that was helping us, her was nothing. And she goes, I kind of feel like survivor's guilt. I got to do something. I I can't not help. And uh, just the heart of the people. I mean, we didn't find a whole lot um, in most of the digs. Um, We did find some jewelry. Uh, We had a a, a retired gentleman, GL, that worked with Monica. We were all like sifting, and he's like sifting. And he found two rings specifically that the, the women we were sifting for wanted. And he found them both within five minutes of sifting. He just went in and it was like the ring man the ringmaster. He he found him. But they were it was just such the community, the whole community involvement there, the helping hands and, and just the local outreach of living waters. It's unbelievable the help that they were doing in their community.
0: Well thank you very much, Ray, and uh give them a round of applause. At this time I'm gonna call a pastor Dan
7: Church, would you stand with us? Team, would you stand? I want us to pray. Uh, Jen Ning, you said something about you quickly realized that um, you weren't going to be able to fix everything when you got there. And that is true for us, whether we're going to Oregon or Kenya or Ghana or Federal Way or Milton or Edgewood. We walk into rooms again and again that are going to be just too much. They're, they're too much for one person to be able to solve the issues, to fix all the problems. And I'm so thankful for Jesus in that moment, because we know we come in the name of Jesus. And Jesus has this incredible way to minister in really, really messy situations. And I believe that Jesus is still ministering in that place. He'll continue to minister there. Even my heart was stirred, Lord. Send more workers to Oregon. Would you just, Lord, just send uh, worker after worker after worker? One thing I love about this organization that's there is they've committed to be there for at least a year, and if not longer, which is so important because often one of the issues with missions is you come in, you overpromise and you underdeliver. And so I'm so thankful that there's a ongoing presence there. But let's pray. But let's pray as if we actually believe in our prayers, that they are powerful and effective, and that God is doing something even now. So let's pray for, um, if we could have you pray in Spanish, uh, Monica, and if you'd be willing to pray in Chinese, um, if possible. Um, What I'd like to do is that um, Danica would still know that the prayers are powerful and effective, if you'd be willing. I know that's nerve-wracking, but it doesn't have to be long. And then uh, same for you, too, that we would just believe that the Lord is working even now in prayers. And then we'll close by praying for you. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this moment, that um, this is serious business. This is serious. This isn't a game. This isn't just a little trip. These are lives that are hanging in the balance. And so we come right now in spiritual warfare, believing that this is a serious prayer. And whatever the enemy means for evil, for any of these people that they've met, that you would turn it for good, God. And you would fight a battle right now, that you would send angels into Oregon, and you would fight a battle that is truly uh, where they would find victory in you, Jesus. And we pray for each one of those names, Lord. We don't know them, but you do. You know their names. You'll never forget those names. You care for them. You made them. You have plans for them and purposes for them. And we pray right now that you would fight for them in the name of Jesus. Oh,
2: gracias, Señor amado. Te damos mucho las gracias por... um, permitirnos Señor en esta mañana alabarte y también Señor te pedimos tus bendiciones que derrames tus bendiciones en la área de Ashland Talent Medford Phoenix Señor que cada corazón Señor vuelva a ti que cada corazón reconozca que tú eres el salvador de nuestra vida Señor le damos toda la honra y toda la gloria en el nombre de Jesucristo. Amén.
5: Like yeah. yeah. Diana her Adamson, her Danica, her um, Edie, and, uh, hmm. Tony. Tony uh, um, Living Waters. Uh, um, what's the other? Kathy. Yeah. Kathy uh, Luciana. Morgani Taman. Tuzai Taman de Sing. Tu Lai. Lai. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is all we ask. Yes, Father, we thank you.
7: Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful grace. And the things of earth will grow strange, leading in the light
3: of.